We're looking at the ninth commandment today, thy shall not lie. That sounds simple enough, right? Not so. Recently, I read a list called Famous American Fibs. The list was quite long, as you can imagine. Maybe they contain some of your own fibs. I felt a twinge of guilt when I read them. Here are just a few of them. I can't come today. I have a migraine. Sorry I'm late, but the traffic was really heavy. I don't mean to gossip, but I think you ought to know this. Or leave your resume here and we'll get back to you. This hurts me more than it hurts you. I just need five minutes of your time. Open wide. This won't hurt a bit. It's not the money here. It's the principle of the thing. A recent survey said 66% of Americans say it's not wrong to lie. Only 31 agreed honesty is the best policy. We seem to lie at the drop of a hat. We've seen it over and over. People go into court and they take an oath to tell the truth and nothing but the truth, and then they start lying. Another survey says that 90% of people lie routinely, and Dr. Leonard Keeler, inventor of the lie detector machine, has tested 25,000 individuals, and he's come to the sad conclusion that people are basically deceptive. We think nothing of lying in our culture, and we even make jokes about it. I saw a test recently that tells you what kind of liar you are. But today, when we look at the ninth commandment that God gave to Moses in Exodus 20:16, it reads, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. Modern translations say, say simply, don't lie. And in Jesus' words in Matthew 5, 33 through 38, he expands it. It reads, do not break your oath, but keep the oaths you have made to the Lord. But I tell you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot even make one hair white or black. This must have been before hair coloring. Uh, simply let your yes be yes and your no be no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. And Jesus also said, Satan is the father of lies. And we certainly don't want Satan as our dad. In the original context, this command had to do with telling the truth in a legal sense. Uh, as well as a moral sense. God was trying to establish a safe community with integrity and truth, and he gave them the Ten Commandments. They were civil laws. If there was a crime, there was no local cop to call or no FBI, uh, FBI or CIA agents or no DNA evidence or no cameras or even fingerprints. Everything depended on eyewitnesses. And who saw what? What was it like? What did you see? What? And every accusation against someone had to be backed up by two eyewitnesses. 
Uh, and that's why be, telling the truth was so important. And guess what? If you were a witness and you lied, you got the same punishment as the, as the person who was guilty. So this was a pretty good deterrent to lying because God wanted a community, as he does today, built on trust. Lying breaks down relationships. How can you have a good relationship with someone if they constantly lie to you? 1,500 years later, we see that Jesus broadened that context of this passage, and he applied it to all kinds of verbal promises. People make business deals based on promises. Uh, their word was very important. A verbal promise was enough. The person's word was everything. Your integrity as a person was at stake in telling the truth. So Jesus said, let your yes be yes and your no be no, period, end of things. Most things were not written down, so a person's word was everything. I remember as a kid growing up in a small town in the South that we didn't have a lot of legal contracts between businesses. People would make a deal, shake hands, their word was enough. And attorneys had a lot of time on their hands in those days. Um, Jesus was saying, it is simple. If you're going to be a person of integrity, say what you mean and mean what you say. Make promises and keep them. Be as good as your word. He is saying we should regard all promises as sacred because it is God who hears all of our words. We can fool others, but we can't fool God. It is very interesting that all sin, if you think about it for a minute, begins with a lie, like this is a private matter. No one else will know. No one's looking. I can do this. It won't hurt anyone. I won't get caught. It doesn't really matter. I deserve this edge. Or even I can help what I'm doing. God wants us to be happy, and he, and, and he wants me to have everything I want. Everyone else is doing it. God understands that. Those are all lies that we either tell or believe. And as many of us know, there's nothing that breaks down a marriage or even a friendship like lying. It destroys trust. And you all know what that feels like. This morning, I have a few points to make, and I've borrowed heavily from one of Jeff's sermons on the commandments because I thought I couldn't find a better source. And let's look at, just for a moment, at some different kinds of lies. The first lie is the cruel lie. This is the lie you tell someone if you're really angry at them, you're mad, you want revenge, you want justice. They've hurt you, and you want to get even. And so you make up something about them. You twist the truth or tell a half-truth. You might say a one-liner. You know, they know the Bible very well, but you ought to see how they live. It just inflames the imagination and hurts that person. And once it's out, it's very hard to undo that damage. And we've seen, and recently, politicians spend millions and billions of dollars doing this to their opposition. And fake news does this. We may hear the news, and it, we, there may be a retraction in a couple days, but we never remember the retraction. We remember what the fake news said. And this isn't new in our culture, because the Pharisees did this to Jesus all the time. They made up all kinds of false charges against him so they could hang him on a cross. 
And this motive is from jealousy, revenge, hate. And it happens all the time, all too often, in offices, in school hallways, in homes, and even in churches. It is malicious and destructive. And then number two, there's the cowardly lie. This is the kind of lie you tell someone to escape consequences. You want to avoid the punishment or the shame. Uh, it starts young. Uh, a child drops a dish or knocks one off the table, and you say, hey, what happened to that dish? Well, it just fell. It just broke. Or you go to school, and, don't, and you're, you forgot to do your homework, and the teacher asks you, Oh, I'll bring it tomorrow. The dog ate my homework. I, I remember when I was a teenager, I was able to drive, and I had a boyfriend who didn't have a car. And so one time we were out riding on a Sunday afternoon, and he said, why don't you let me drive? Sure. So I got out of the driver's seat, and he drove. Well, I didn't know that he'd never driven a car. We hit the ditch so fast, and the side of my father's car was a mess. So I had to call my father, and I knew I was in really deep trouble. So I lied. I said, I was driving, and, and I was talking, and that car just slipped off into that dish, ditch. So in getting the car repaired, I had to tell my story over and over. I had to tell it to my mother I had to lie on lie on lie, and one day I just broke down crying. And I said, it's all a lie, Dad. I was driving. And he said, I knew it all the time. I just wanted you to see what lying does. And, and I really remember that well, as you can tell, because the motive behind this kind of lying is fear. And we do it all the time. And, and because, and even we don't want to look at the consequences of what we've done. And we don't have the courage to say, yes, I'm guilty, I did it, or I'm sorry, I made a mistake. So we make up something. And this happened early on, first family, Adam and Eve. Adam, Adam lied, he, he blamed uh, Eve, and Eve blamed the serpent. And then third is the conceited lie. And this is the lie when you want to impress, inflate your image. You don't, you're trying to create an image to impress somebody. And of course, bragging and lying are first cousins, and they often go together. You exaggerate, you inflate yourself, maybe you inflate your resume, brag on your accomplishments. Um, and uh, like when I worked at the CIA, and maybe you don't say, well, I only worked there three months and got fired. Or when I was getting my PhD at Oxford, so-and-so and I were best buddies. Or all the bragging and inflating and name-dropping comes from a person who thinks they're not good enough and they're very frightened and insecure. And then we have the calculated lie. And that's the kind we use to manipulate each other people. We want our way. I want it, what I want, and I want it now and I'm going to do whatever it takes to get it, and it means even if I have to lie. And this is often motivated by greed or selfishness. Con men use it all the time. Business people do it to cheat on a deal. Take this job and you'll be making six figures in no time. People lie on their resumes. 
Come and work with me. I'll take care of you, an employer says to someone, when they have no intention of doing that. And then we have the convenient lie. And I think <laughs> this is the one I'm probably many of us are most guilty of because we don't want to hurt anybody and, it, 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 so, and we don't want to do something. And it takes energy, it takes time to think how to tell the whole story of the truth. And so we tell whatever it takes so we can move on to the next thing. It, we do it a lot in social situations. You go to a party and it goes on and on and you're bored and you want to go home. And you don't want to say, I'm bored and I want to go home. Or do you, you don't want to just uh, say something that would hurt or offend anybody. So you say, I'm sorry, I have a phone call I have to receive at home. I'm going home or I have to take the dog out. Um, or we do it another way. Someone really pressures, pressures you to do something. You don't want to do it, but they keep after you and you don't want to hurt them. So you say, well, I'll pray about it or I'll think about it or I'll try. And in your heart, you have no intention of doing it. So you just kind of tell a little lie. When we lie, we think we're doing the easy or the kind thing at the time. But the Bible says in Psalm 34, would you like to enjoy life? Do you want a long life and happiness? Keep from speaking evil and telling lies. You know, right now, if you stop and think, you want the truth about something in your life, you know who to go to and that they will tell you the truth. Someone that you love but who will be truthful to you. And you know the people you can go to and they'll just try to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. You deserve that, or don't feel bad about that. That's not, that's not anything. Just be yourself. You know who really cares about you and will tell you the truth. And being told the truth has to be framed with love. Uh, Jesus said, tell the truth, but he also said, what's in your heart is what's going to come out of your mouth. If you lie in your heart, you will, it'll eventually come out your mouth. So the heart of the issue is the issue of the heart. The heart of the issue is the issue of the heart. If my heart is filled with anger and resentment, then I'm going to find myself telling cruel lies. If my heart is filled with fear and worry, then I'm going to find myself telling cowardly lies. If my heart is filled with insecurity, I will find myself telling conceited lies. If my heart is filled with selfishness, I will end up telling calculated lies to get what I want and look good. So what's the solution? The way to stop lying, the way to become a person of integrity, is to let Jesus fill your heart with love instead of selfishness, with joy and peace instead of hate with confidence instead of insecurity, with energy and power instead of laziness. Jesus said, I am the truth. The closer we get to Jesus, the more we're going to love the truth, speak the truth, the more we're going to live the truth. You see, this is all about Jesus shaping our character. It's not our reputation. That's what other people think about us. Character is what you really are. Character is what you are in the dark and when no one is looking. Character is what impresses God. Character is what lasts for eternity. 
we have talked about some of the reasons we lie, and those little lies can so easily become a habit, a way of life. And if this is true of you, admit it. Ask Christ to forgive you and give you the power to change. Ask God to put a new heart inside of you. Proverbs 10.9 says, A person of integrity walks securely, but the one who takes crooked paths will be found out. Honesty is a lifestyle. Tell the truth consistently, and God will guard your life. Say what you mean, and most importantly, mean what you say. Every relationship is built on one word, trust. And when that's broken, it really produces a lot of hurt, and it's hard to heal. I would challenge you to take a calculated risk and begin speaking the truth to people this week. Do it in a loving and tactful way. If you can't do it in a loving way, don't speak it. Uh, and, but ask God to put love in your heart as you speak and to give you the right words to speak the truth. Last week, Chris spoke about stealing. Obviously, lying and stealing are partners, and uh, as you could see in my story about my own lying. And stealing leads to a web of lies as well. And the root of all of these is lack of love for others and thinking, I deserve everything. And those commandments might apply to everybody else, but not to me. And sometimes commandments can seem burdensome. But I was touched last week when I remembered this in preparing this sermon. Jesus said, if you love me, obey my commandments. He did not say, if you know my commandments, that is enough. He did not say, if you do good things or a kind person, that is enough. He said, if you love me, you will obey me. It's not a head issue. It's a heart issue. And if we love him, and we're all growing in that, if we love him as we ought, it's a heart filled with gratitude. And that makes obedience something we want to do. We all desire to give back to him for all he has done for us. It's a response to his great love for us. Let's pray. Thank you, God, that you have given us the truth. And if we obey you, we don't find ourselves in a prison of lies. Help us to love you. Teach us to love you. May our hearts desire to love you more and to love other people so that lies will never come out of our mouths, but that we can always tell the truth in love. Thank you, Jesus, for loving us and forgiving us even when we don't tell the truth all the time. And we're all working on that. And help us and remind us each day of your great love and forgiveness. In your name we pray. Amen.